2 Timothy. Hallelujah. Right before, right after 1 Timothy. Right before Titus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 2 Timothy, and when you get there, we're going to go to the second chapter of 2 Timothy. And we're going to start at verse 1. Media, I'd give you just verse 1. I would like to go through verse 7, 1 through 7. 1 through 7. Everybody have that? All right, let's read that together. All ready to read. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding. Notice again, verse 7 says, consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Now, verse 1, which is my, my main verse, says, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Verse 7, he says, consider what I say. And may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Tonight, that's my focus again, verse 1. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I want to talk tonight on the subject, switching to renewable energy. Switching to renewable energy. Father God, tonight, thank you for the word we're about to receive. I ask you, Father, to give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to understand the word of God. I ask you, Lord, to give me divine unction to speak uh, divine unction to, Lord, to, to do whatever you lead me to do and divine utterance to speak whatever you give me to say. And I ask, Father, that as the word is sown, it is sown upon good ground, the good hearts, that it will produce, Lord, what you sent it to produce, Father, that it will accomplish that which you please and prosper the thing to which you sent it. And I pray, Father, that each and every one of these, your people, everyone here and those that are watching now and in the future, all of us, including myself, will all prosper from the word of God that we might see the 30, 60, and even 100-fold return on this word tonight we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Switching to renewable energy. <clears throat> now, again, we, we are on this series. We've been talking about grace. And I, we've been talking from Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse 27 and 28. Where the Bible talks about God says, uh, he says, uh, the Bible says he created man in his own image, male and female, he created them. Then verse 28, God blessed them and said unto them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over so and so forth, right? So we saw this divine assignment, this divine purpose, this divine um, uh, uh, destiny that was released to them, to the people of God, to Adam and Eve. And we've talked about how the blessing, remember I gave you this definition, that the blessing is the power, in fact, I kind of modified it, but whatever you have, the blessing is the power God gives to man to produce heaven on earth. The blessing, I just simplified it, the blessing is the power God gives man to produce heaven on earth. Who has that power? Somebody say, I've got the power. So God has given you me power to produce heaven on earth. Some of y'all are too young to even remember that old song. 
It's getting kind of hectic in here. I don't know. So God gives us power to produce heaven on earth. All right? That's what, that's what man was told to do. To take what you have, take what you see, and reproduce it. To reproduce it. Fill the earth with this. Fill the earth with this, with what you see. So God released the blessing, and we said the blessing releases something called grace. grace. Very good. Now, grace is uh, divine enablement. It's the ability of God. Y'all remember that? And we talked about how grace covers our humanity, right? It takes, covers our humanity with divinity and makes the impossible possible. I just think it's important to reiterate that. That grace covers our humanity with divinity and makes the impossible possible. So there are things that are impossible with man. Jesus says so. And he said the things that are impossible with man are possible with God. He said that in another place he said the things that are impossible with things that are impossible with man are possible with God. For with God nothing shall be impossible. Nothing shall be impossible with God. So if you and I have God and his grace or his blessing or his enablement, then there's nothing impossible anymore for us. Somebody needs to hear that. There's nothing anymore that's impossible for us. It's amazing that in the world, the world will, will really try to, try to plug into your mind that all, all sorts of things are impossible to you. That we're conditioned, we grow up with things being impossible. Now, as a child, you don't think anything's impossible. As a child, you'll put a, a towel on your back and jump off of a garage because you saw Superman fly, you think it's possible for you to fly. As a child, you, you, say, you say, I'm going to be an astronaut unicorn. <laughs> right in your in your mind, there's there's no limit to what you can do. But as you get around older folk, as you get around older folk who have who have had failures and defeats and shortcomings and setbacks in their lives, they bring their widow spirit and try to impose their widow spirit on you, and make you feel like there are things that are impossible to you too. But with God, there's nothing that's impossible. And when grace comes on you, anything that was impossible is now made possible. Because you're not walking in just your power, you're walking in his power. His grace covers your humanity with his divinity. Can you say amen? So I've been talking about three components of grace. Three components of grace. They are divine ability. Help me out. Divine wisdom. And divine energy, divine ability, divine wisdom, and divine energy. We easy to remember all. All. Our God is awesome. He can move the mountain. That's that's impossible. That's impossible. Move a mountain, but it said God can do it. And Jesus said that if you believe, if you have faith, you can speak to this mountain. I'm gonna come over here. He said, if you have faith. You can speak to this mountain, and it will move. Another place he said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, he said, you can speak to this sycamine tree, and you can tell it to be plucked up from the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. It would. A tree would obey you. He tells you that if you walk with God, if you believe, there's nothing impossible for you either. Why? Because he's clothing your humanity with his divinity. Oh, man. 
I, I was I was uh, I was listening uh, up up in Frankfurt. Uh, our good friends up there, Apostle Durbin, Mama Berta, and the whole church family. Uh, Pastor Eric Lemon ministered a message on Friday night, and he preached so clearly. I I told him today, man, that that it was so clear uh, that we are spiritual beings. And so many of us as believers never get to the place of understanding the revelation that we are spiritual beings. We, we still live as if we are natural beings trying to come, ha- come have a spiritual experience at church. But we're not. We're spiritual beings having a natural experience in the world. Come on. John 3 says that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So if you're born of the spirit, you are spirit. You are a spirit being. And as a spirit being, my goodness, as a, as a, as a spirit being, you, you move out of the realm of impossibilities into the realm of possibilities because your humanity has been clothed with divinity. Uh, okay, let me, let me help you with this. Okay, um, you, you, if you want to be a deep sea diver, you put on a suit that you would not normally wear to the, you wouldn't wear it to the mall. You put on a, a, a particular scuba or a deep diving suit that allows you to operate in a different atmosphere. Likewise, if you and I were going to travel into outer space, we wouldn't wear these little suits we have. We put on a different type of suit that allows us to to operate in a different atmosphere. So when God clothes you with a suit of grace, he clothes your humanity with divinity that lets you operate in a different atmosphere, on a different realm, on a different level. You are not just human. First of all, you're a new creation. Second of all, with that new creation, you are now endowed with something, something called grace that clothes your humanity with divinity. I keep saying that, clothes your humanity with divinity. So now you have, it's like, it's like Clark Kent going into the telephone booth and putting on a suit, a, a, a different outfit that makes Clark Kent somebody different. Now, on the inside, he's still Clark Kent, but when he has that cape on him, he, he can do things that Clark Kent can't do. When, oh, man. When leap tall building in a single bound and fastening a local, locomotive and, you know, fastening a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's Superman. Tell your neighbor, you're a Superman, a superwoman. Why? Because grace puts God's super on your natural. Y'all better hear me. Grace puts God's super on your natural. You can look in the mirror and have the same hair, teeth, and smile, but that's not what the devil sees. The devil sees God's super on your natural. You're a much bigger threat than you understand. That's why he's trying to buffet you about. That's the reason the devil is trying to buffet Paul. Because Paul was getting all kind of revelation, abundance of revelation. He said, I got to do something about that because he, he, saw, he, saw, he saw a threat from Paul. And Paul said, God, help me out with this. And God said, said hey, my grace, you're already wearing the suit. 
You are y'all missing this. You already wearing the suit. That means every every fiery dart should bounce off your chest because you're wearing the suit. Hallelujah. Some of y'all, some of y'all women, y'all, y'all are Wonder Woman fans, and Wonder Woman would throw, throw up those things like that, pim, and, and things will bounce off of her wrist, y'all braces. <laughs> you got an armor of light on. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So, so we have this grace, right? Divine ability, divine wisdom, divine energy, right? So we have access to that. Ephesians 4, 7 says that to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Of Christ's gifts. So each of us have received this grace. So I have received this grace. Okay? So that means all of us then have access to divine wisdom and divine ability and divine, divine energy. Okay? Why? To fulfill our assignments. We're here on purpose. If we had no purpose, the moment you got saved, God would have snatched you out and said, come on up here. You made it. You made it. Come on up here. But he didn't. He left you here on assignment. He left you here on purpose. We are kingdom citizens. We learn about that on Sundays. But we're also kingdom ambassadors. So we're on assignment here. And so we have grace that's available for our assignment, whether that's, whether that's positional things or situational things. Remember I talked about that. You can be operating in certain positions, teachers, preachers, uh, parents, uh, spouses, or whatever you are, employers, CEOs, whatever you are, that's a position, but also situations when you're traveling or, or, or when you're serving or when you're ministering, whatever you're doing, God has grace for those things. Amen? Amen. So we talked about uh, our first message in this was living beyond your ability, right? Second Corinthians 8, the Macedonians gave beyond their ability. You remember that? And... Uh, so I told you, if you can give by grace, beyond your means, give by beyond your means, you can also live beyond your means. I said you can also live beyond our means. Okay? Remember, every one of us, grace was given. Ephesians 4, 7 says that. 2 Corinthians 9, 14 tells us that there's an exceeding grace of God that's in us. That's what this church theme is from. The exceeding grace of God, which is, it, it's, it's in you. So exceeding grace. Everybody say exceeding grace. What is exceeding grace all about? It's more than enough grace for your situation to get the job done. For whatever, whatever is ailing you, for whatever is opposed to you, God has given more than enough grace. Grace itself is enough, but he said, I gave you exceeding grace. In other words, you are not just a conqueror, but through grace you are more than a conqueror. You understand that? Okay, so, so we have this exceeding grace. Now, that word exceeding comes from a, a Greek word, uh, hupabalo, where we might get the word hyperbole from. It means to surpass in throwing, to throw over or beyond anything. It means to transcend, surpass, exceed, excel, excelling, exceeding. So God has given us enough grace to throw over or go beyond anything. Y'all got that. To surpass anything. That's why, that's why God told Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. Paul, don't, Paul, you don't need me to do anything. I gave you enough grace already to whip the devil in his tracks. Hallelujah. So whatever God has called you to do, 
God has given you something called grace and more than enough grace for you to do it and do it well. To do it for the long haul. I'm going to deal with that. To do it for the long haul. Hallelujah. I'll get to that later. We talked last week about on the subject wisdom beyond your years. Remember in Luke 2.40 in the Living Bible, it talked about Jesus Christ when it, uh, he was there in the temple talking with the uh, religious people, the doctors, the lawyers, and so forth of his time. And the Bible says he was known for wisdom beyond his years, right? So we talked about this divine wisdom being, being a divine know-how. Everybody say know-how. know-how. This is very important. To exercise ability without wisdom will always waste energy. That's important. To exercise wisdom or to exercise ability without wisdom will always waste energy. Just because you're able to push yourself up doesn't mean you know how to do a push-up. And here you are thinking you're doing a push-up properly and you're not. Some trainers are going to come along and say you're wasting your energy because you're not producing the desired results because although you have the ability to push yourself off the ground, if you don't have the wisdom, the the know-how on how to do it properly, you're just wasting energy. Does it it make sense to you? See, so to, to exercise ability without wisdom will always waste energy. So God never wants to give you, he will never give you a um, one or two components of grace. He's going to give you all three components of the grace. He will never release to you ability and not release to you the wisdom. So even though you have the, thank you, Lord. So, so the Bible says in the King James that God has made us able ministers of the New Testament. He's made us able ministers of the New Testament. That's the King James Version. So just because I'm able to minister doesn't mean I just go out there and minister on my own. I need wisdom. God, tell me what to do. Tell me what to say. Tell me how to do this. Just, just because you can, you can write an essay in, in college and pass the SAT doesn't mean you can come preach. <laughs> See, you, you need wisdom from God. Even just, just because you go to seminary school and you get your, your, your bachelor's, your master's, your doctorate in theology doesn't, doesn't give you the wisdom to preach the gospel. The, in fact, in fact you, can I tell you how I know that's true? Because the Bible says, Bible says through the foolishness of preaching, God does these things. So here you are trying to be, be all deep and wonderful, and God says, I make preaching foolish. I get my job done with foolish preaching. <laughs> so here you are trying to be all eloquent and all deep and without wisdom you're wasting energy. Is this helping three people? Okay. So so we need wisdom. Everybody say I need wisdom. Remember I gave you the scripture last week, Ecclesiastes 10, 10. Y'all got time for this review? If it take us two weeks, we'll get it done. Ecclesiastes 10, 10 says, if the axe is dull and one does not sharpen the edge, then he must use more strength but wisdom. See, so you notice that if you have ability, the axe is the ability, but if you don't have wisdom, you're going to use more strength or more energy. But wisdom brings success. Give me that same uh, 
verse there in the contemporary English version, the CEB, the contemporary English version. Look at what it says. Can y'all read it with me? Go ahead, ready, read. If you don't sharpen your axe, it will be hard for you. If you are wise, so I need more than just ability. I need wisdom so that I don't I don't waste energy. Wisdom brings success. Y'all remember that? Now I gotta bring this up because this is this was so good to me last week. First um, Corinthians three ten. When Paul said, according to the grace of God, uh, God made me a wise master builder. Y'all remember that? A wise master builder. A wise master builder. Hallelujah. That master builder, that architecton, an architect or a constructor, a, a construction person, a contractor. That's what Paul says. He said he made me a wise master builder. That Greek word sophos, which means... Listen to this. I, I love this. This is so good last week, Deke. Forming the best plans and using the best means for the execution. That's what wisdom does. Wisdom gives you and me the best plans and the best means. I mean, how many of y'all use something like Google Maps or Apple Maps trying to get somewhere? When you, when you use those kind of things, don't you, try to, you, don't you let it choose the best way for you to get there? Give me the fastest route. Most, if you're not like my wife, you don't want the, you don't, you know, you don't want the scenic route. My, my wife somehow likes the scenic route and everything. Of course, she's not driving. She's riding. She said, this is such a nice drive. There's only one of us driving. I always say, it's a nice ride. We ride all through the countryside and all through places. She said, oh, look at that house. I can't. I'm driving. I can't. <laughs> it's scenic for you. I'm the driver. Driving Miss Daisy, here you go, I'm the driver. Hallelujah. But you choose the best route. So Sophos is the best plans and using the best means for the execution. How many of you remember Joseph down there in Egypt? Three of y'all? Remember Joseph down there in Egypt? Abraham's great-grandson, Joseph down there in Egypt? When he was down there, had been a slave, and then he became a prisoner. But now he's standing before Pharaoh, and, and, there, and Pharaoh's had these dreams, two dreams that are identical dreams. And now Joseph's come in, and Joseph has interpreted the dreams and said that the reason you've dreamt, dreamt these twice is because it is God, and it's going to happen very quickly. And he says, he says here, there's going to be a severe famine. There's going to be seven years of good. There's going to be seven years of famine. And he says, what you need to do, he says, what you ought to do. <laughs> says, what you ought to do. Here comes wisdom. Here comes wisdom. What you ought to do is during those seven years, collect a fifth of everything, 20% of everything from everybody. Collect it as a tax. Let them bring it in there so that when those seven years of famine hit, we're not caught off guard. We have something. So he uses wisdom that he didn't get from his own, on his own. He wasn't an agriculture guy. He wasn't a treasurer for anybody. No, he, this is a divine download from God. And when he got it, he, tell, he tells Pharaoh, here, what you need to do is find you a wise man who can, who can administer this, who can, who can execute this plan. Pharaoh says, huh, if you had the wisdom to get the plan, you got, you got the wisdom to execute the plan. Why would I find anybody else? So you're the man, Joseph. What happened? Because he had the wisdom, he got promotion. 
And this man who had been a slave, this man who had been a prisoner, now all of a sudden is second in command of the whole world. Joseph put a ring on his uh, uh, Pharaoh put a ring on his finger. He robed him in a, in a royal garment. He gave him the second chariot behind him. And he said, anywhere you go in Egypt, people must bow down to you and obey what you say. And when the famine hit, the Bible says people came and they said, hey, Pharaoh, we need help. And he pointed to Joseph and said, whatever he says to you, do it. That's how much wisdom he operated in, a divine wisdom, having the best plans and the best means to execute them. Do y'all understand that? I'm I'm not sure if y'all understand it. Do you know what will happen to you on your job if you downloaded the best plans and the best means to execute those plans in your job? Maybe I'm talking to nobody. Do you know what will happen to you if you got the best plans and the best means for your company to execute that plan? Do you think you stay in the same position you've been in 14 years? If you got a divine idea from heaven that would change the scope of that company's business, that would change that would change their business model, that would change their structure, that would improve their bottom line by 75%, do you think you stay in the same position you were in? Divine wisdom. All right. Let me read one more scripture about this wisdom here. 2 Corinthians 1.12, I didn't get to this last week. 2 Corinthians 1.12 says, for our boasting is this, this is Paul talking. He said, the testimony of our conscience that we conducted ourselves in the world in what? Simplicity and what else? Godly sincerity. Watch this. Not with, but by, and more abundantly towards you. So notice he's contrasting fleshly wisdom and grace. Seem like, why would you even talk about flesh to wisdom and grace? Because grace includes wisdom. That's what I'm trying to get you to understand. So he said, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God. So within the grace of God is divine wisdom. So you and I are not meant to operate by fleshly wisdom. You and I are meant to operate because we have access to divine wisdom. It's the mind of God. Did y'all catch what I just said? You have access to the mind of God. And I don't know if you know this, but God knows everything there is to know about everything. When we say God is omniscient, that's what it means when we say he's omniscient. It means he's all-knowing, but more, more, more specifically, he knows everything there is to know about everything. The Bible says he knows the hair is on your head. He calls the stars by their names. God knows everything there is to know about everything. God, I remember one time we had one of the ladies in this church. She was going through a class, I think, trying to become a CNA, LPN, something like whatever she's trying to become. Uh, and um, and she was had to go through some anatomy and physiology class, and she was so just stressed out about it. I don't know. This is she had been out of school a long time. You know, she was a I don't want to call her a senior, but she she might have been a senior at that time. She was older than me, and. Um, she was stressed out and been in school a long time. And this anatomy and physiology little class, not, not you know, not like being a doctor, but there's some limited thing you got to learn. And she's like, oh, Lord, I'm going to do this. And I said, I said, you know, sister, 
The Holy Ghost knows anatomy and physiology. She said, what you say? That's how she what you say? I said, the Holy Ghost knows anatomy and physiology. Sure enough. And she grabbed a hold of it and passed the class and got a license and all that kind of stuff that she did. Say, neighbor, the Holy Ghost knows what you don't know. He knows everything you need to know. He knows everything you want to know. He already knows. Anatomy, physiology, geology, botany. He knows all of history. He knows the history and the future. There's nothing that he doesn't know. Hallelujah. He, he, know, he knows all about what's, what's behind the walls of that house you're trying to buy. You understand? He knows. He knows. Hallelujah. Okay, now let's move on. Let's move on. Thank you, Lord. Now, I, want, I want, to, want you to picture something here. A picture, how many of y'all have ever flown before? You've ever flown? Everybody flown? Anybody here who's never flown, never flown in your life? What you waiting on? What y'all, what y'all waiting on? <laughs> this year, Kentucky, okay, you're going to fly it. Okay, good. All right, good. All right. Not that you have to. You just, you just don't want to drive it all the time. You just, you, it's like, it's like addition and multiplication. You can get there a whole lot faster. By flying. But I want you to imagine a jet, right? In a, in a jet, the main component of that jet is the engine or the engines, right? I want you to see the jet engine or engines as ability. Okay? Now, there were engines that existed before the jet engines. Jet engines work just like car engines, just like truck engines. They're engines, because all they are is engines. Just bigger, stronger engines. Now, the difference between a jet engine and a car engine is nothing, just size and, and the amount of power behind it. But you can't, I want you to see that engine as ability. That's what gives the plane, the jet, its ability to fly. But you, if you don't have, if you don't understand something called the laws of physics, in particular the laws of thrust and the laws of lift, that jet engine, as big and powerful as it may be, will go nowhere. In fact, if you take it somewhere and you don't understand the laws of lift, you don't understand the laws of thrust, it will take you somewhere you don't want to go. You understand that? So you can't just have ability, the engine. You must have wisdom, the divine, the know-how, laws of thrust and lift. You follow me? But then what if you have the ability, the engine, you understand the laws of thrust and lift, and you fire that engine up, but you didn't, you didn't fill that engine, that, that uh, plane's tank, with fuel, you're not going anywhere or you're not, get, you're not going to get anywhere far. Because although you have ability in the engine and wisdom in knowing the laws of thrust and lift, you must have energy 
to get you to where you're going. So the plane operates needing all three components. It's got ability. It's got the wisdom of, of, of laws of thrust and lift. But you better make sure when that plane pulls in, a plane flies in from, from Kentucky and they pull into Tampa International and they're going to turn around, you're going to get back on the, you know, they, all they're going to do is turn that same plane around and send it right back. Let's go back and forth, back and forth. You better make sure they go, they clean the airplane out, get all the cookies off the floor and all the chips and everything and all the dirty diapers. They clean the plane out and they sanitize all that kind of stuff. Here come the pilots and they're all, they've rested and they have the know-how and they're, they're ready to fly that plane. They understand laws of thrust and lift. They know how to push the levers at the right, the gears in the right, the right uh, formation and so forth. But if the guys on the ground or the ladies on the ground forgot to refuel that plane. You're not going to Kentucky. And you may take off. And you better hope all the indicators are working. To tell them low fuel, and they're going to turn right back around and come back to where they came from because they, they weren't supplied enough energy for the trip. So God, God would not be so absent-minded as to give us ability and to give us wisdom without also giving us energy to complete the task. The Bible says that God does all things well. So if he does all things well, he's going to always make sure that whatever assignment we have, whatever position we're in, whatever situation we're in, that he provides the ability, the wisdom, and the energy to get the job done. No matter what. Tell your neighbor, no matter what. Hallelujah. God is not in short supply of energy. So let's look at 2 Timothy 2.1. But we'll get into this a little bit tonight. 2 Timothy 2.1. If you're there, say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why don't you say it real loud? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 2 Timothy 2.1. This is Paul who writes the book of 2 Timothy to Timothy, his son in the faith. And he says, you therefore, my son. Now, we could go and talk about all things he was dealing with. He talked about how people had left him early in chapter 1 or at the end of chapter 1. People had left him and so forth. So he's kind of out here by himself and doing the things. And he's trying to encourage Timothy, hey, don't do that. You don't leave. You don't, you don't quit the race. You stay in this race here. Okay? You can read that on your own, chapter 1. But verse 1 of chapter 2, he says, you therefore, my son, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So he didn't just say be strong. He said be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So Paul is implying that, there is, that when grace is there, there is a strength 
that is there and energy that is there that can strengthen you for whatever you got to face. In fact, if you look at the chapter here, this is why I went ahead and we read all of it, media. Verse 2, he says to them, to him, because remember what they talked about in chapter 1 about people falling out and missing it and all so forth. Verse 2, and the things that you have heard from me from among many witnesses do what? Who will be able to teach others also. So notice Timothy has the responsibility, the assignment of training the next generation of teachers, training the next generation of people who will also help spread this gospel message. So he says, son, be strong in the grace. Because you got to train some people. So you're going to need some grace. Now, we know about the ability and the wisdom, but you're going to need to be strong in that grace. You're going to need the energy that grace gives because you're going to train people. Anybody ever had to train people? You ever had to train anybody in anything? <laughs> and sometimes if you're not careful, it'll wear you out trying to help them. Right? Exactly. So, so he says, since you're responsible for training the next generation or the next group of people, he said, you got to make sure you have some strength that comes from what? The grace. Y'all got it? Now, let's keep going here just, just to give more, more reason why he deals with this, this grace here and this strength from grace, this energy. He says, verse 3, notice, notice what he begins to, to say to him. He says, you, therefore, must endure as what? So notice he's going to face certain hardship. So he's telling you, when you go through hardship, you better have some energy that's not your own energy. <laughs> he said, you're going to face, he said, you're going to endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Notice what he says here. Verse 4. No one engaged in warfare. Now everybody gets saved and figure, you know, this is going to be you know love book kind of thing. We just all la it all and, you know, everything going to be peaches and, and, you know, cream and, you know, roses and, and lilies and so forth. Everything going to be wonderful. We're just going to float our way to heaven, never going to have any opposition. And God, I, God, I want to serve you. If people say that, God, I want, I want you to use me. God, I want to serve you. God, I want to be in your will. And the moment you say that, okay. Okay. You want to be used. You better be ready for some hardship. As a good soldier, and you better be ready for war. He said, no man that wars. Now he's calling, he's telling them you're going to have hardship and you're going to have some warfare. And if you don't have, any of y'all ever remember having a fight in your whole life? Tell the truth. Tell the truth. No, anybody, tell me. don't lie. You had a fight. I'm not going to tell on you. I'm not going to turn you in. You've had a fight before. Do you, do you remember, do you remember when, when you fought? It didn't matter how good of a, how, how fit you were, how good of condition you were, you got tired quick. Did it, you're like, you're like, come on, man, I'm fighting, I'm fighting, boy, I'm fighting you. All of a sudden, like, at the first two minutes, you're like, 
tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. Because fighting takes something out of you. Fighting would take something out of you. I don't know if it's because of the, the adrenaline rush. It, it just takes something out of you when you fight. And Paul is telling Timothy that you're going to face hardship and you're going to be at war. He said, no one who wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who, who enlisted him as a soldier. So you got, you, you're going to need some energy for this hardship and some energy for this warfare. Can y'all see that? Then he goes on, he says here in verse 5, and also, I ain't done yet, if anyone competes in athletics. Now he's now he comparing him to an athlete. You ever seen an athlete with no energy? No. You can't be an athlete with no energy. You're not, you're not gonna run a marathon. You're not gonna you, you can't even run a hundred if you don't have no energy. What athletes do is they will pump themselves up so full of carbs or whatever they need, trying to get, get this energy on the inside of them so they can last for a whole game. For a whole competition. They realize you, you, you need energy if you're gonna be an athlete to compete. Are y'all hearing this? So you got hardship, that's going to require energy. You got warfare, that's going to require energy. You got to compete as an athlete, that's going to require energy. You notice all these things he's using to, to show him who, what he is. Then he says, verse 6, verse 6, how many country boys do I have in here? The hardworking farmer, there are only two country boys in this whole house. Country girls, any country girls in here? I grew up in the country. Thank you. I got it three, three or four country girls. Five. Okay, I see five country girls. Notice it says the hardworking farmer. Notice Paul did not say uh, Timothy the farmer. He said the hardworking farmer. Now, anybody, in, other, in other words, if you're going to work a farm, it's, it's going to be hard work. And you're going to need some energy to work a farm. You can't be no lazy bone, play video games all day long person and go work on no farm. I remember one summer, my, my little brother and me, we went to uh, Caraville, Florida. How many of you ever heard of Caraville, Florida? See, nobody. One, two people, three people. Well, you know about it. Three people in this whole house. You heard of Caraville? Caraville, Florida. That's uh, uh, we had some folk there, and they had a little. They had a you know in the country, and I remember, boy, we went there one summer. I think it was a week long. I don't know. I don't know what we did wrong, but we were there. We were we were exiled there for a whole week. Praise the Lord. Parents just want to get rid of us. I don't know what it was. And boy, I'm telling you, there was this little farming kind of thing and picking stuff. And I mean, I'm like, what is this? We 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 from we city boys. Paved roads. I mean, we're talking about air conditioning. No, there ain't none of that stuff in the in Caraville. I don't know if they have it yet, but I know back then it, it wasn't it wasn't none of that stuff. And it was hard work. So we when, when they let us, we try to go down there and go fishing. Only thing that was biting was the mosquitoes. That was the only thing biting in Caraville was the mosquitoes. We didn't catch one fish, but we caught a lot of lot of bumps and I don't know what that stuff. Farming is hard work. So guess what you need as a farmer? Energy. 
He says, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Get energy from the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Y'all got to get this here. So what he's telling Timothy. Now remember Timothy, uh, another place Paul told Timothy, he said, listen, let no man despise your, y'all remember that. So we know, Paul, we know Timothy was a young man. Now I want you to hear what Paul is telling Timothy. He's saying, Timothy, don't do this out of your youthful energy. Oh, boy, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if you get this here. He's saying, Paul, Paul is saying, Timothy, listen to me. I'm an older man. Listen to me. Don't try to accomplish your assignment. Don't try to do what God calls you to do. Don't try to be whatever you are to be out of your youthful energy. He said, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And one of the deceptions of the enemy for young people is to think that because you're young and strong, you can just do anything and you can just run all day long and party all night and go to school in the morning and go to work in the morning and you're gonna, you can just run, burn candles on both ends and you can do whatever you want because, you know, I'm, ah. That even sometimes... As a youth, you'll have something called zeal. And you can be zealous as a young person. And when I say young, let me also make sure I want you to know, not just youthful in terms of biological youth. We're talking about also a youth being a novice, a novelty, being new to something. You ever started something, you was like you ever started a workout program and you were so excited the first three days? The first day? Remember how much zeal you got? You went out, you went out and you bought 12 outfits. I got 12 outfits. You matching shorts, matching tops, match, some of y'all bought matching tights, and oh, I'm, I'm going to do it. And you, boy, that first day you came home like, Lord and mercy, what did I do? <laughs> See? And sometimes that zeal... You want that zeal to carry you. And Paul is saying to Timothy, I know you're a young man. I know you're physically strong. I know you're a young man. And I know you have a zeal about this. But he said, don't rely on that youthfulness. Don't rely on your strength. Don't rely on your zeal. He said, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The number one reason why people burn out in ministry or burn out in marriage or burn out as parents or burn out in whatever things they're called to do is because they're trying to do it in their own strength. And all burnout means is you ran out of your energy. I'm trying to get you to switch over to a renewable energy. Because your energy will run out. I don't care how excited you are about serving. I don't care how excited you are about having your first child. Ooh, I had my first child. I'm so excited. We're going to do everything. And boy, you let, you let three nights come and you don't sleep all night. You don't sleep for three nights. You'll be, talk, you'll be calling, Mom, Mom, can you come help me with this baby? 
I need you to move in with me because I can't make it with this baby. Because you, you're trying to do it in your own energy. Am I right about this? He says, be strong in the grace. Get your energy from the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You can't run and operate on natural energy alone. It'll fail you people. You'll burn out. You'll burn out. You'll burn out. In your marriage, you'll burn out. As a parent, you'll burn out. As a teacher, you'll burn out. As a preacher, you'll burn out. As a pastor. You know how many pastors leave the ministry every single week in America? The numbers are startling. How many pastors leave the ministry? Why? They're, they all say, I'm, I'm burnt out. Why are they burnt out? They went to school and they got, somebody gave them some money to start a church. We're going to have a big old church and we're going to do all kind of stuff. And they get burnt out. Why? Because they're operating in their own energy. And Paul said, Timothy, don't do that. Take it from me, Timothy. Don't do that. If you want to last, we used to say, if you, if you go slow, you can go some more. If you go fast, you won't last. Take your time. In other words, what he's saying is don't rely on your own strength. I need you to rely on, on the strength that comes from the grace that's in Christ Jesus. There's an energy that's available, and it's a renewable energy. Matter of fact, get, open your Bibles to Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40 and verse, uh, let's look at verse 20, 28. Isaiah 40, 28, down through the rest of the chapter. Your, your youth... Your zeal won't cut it. It won't cut it. I know you feel like, you know, I'm young. Look at me. I'm, I'm, I'm young. No, Pastor, I can do this. I can, I can do this forever. No, you couldn't. You couldn't do it past next week. You'll quit on boy things in a heartbeat. Hallelujah. Oh, Pastor, we're going to serve. We're going to be there all the time. We're going to be at every meeting. You couldn't do that in your, in your own strength. You ain't going to get past next Thursday. You, you just, don't tell no such a lie. It's, it's, I know you mean well. But there's a different energy you got to tap into. Hallelujah. Are you in Isaiah 40? Verse 28 or so. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints. He neither faints. So God doesn't faint. God doesn't get weary. That's how divinity is. He neither faints nor is weary. See, I'm trying to get you and me to understand we got to switch over from this, from this expendable energy to, to this, from, rather, from this exhaustible energy over to this renewable energy. He neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is what? Now watch verse 29. Watch how grace operates. He gives power... To the weak and to those who have no might, what does he do? He increases your strength. He adds strength. Now watch this. Watch this, y'all young folk. Watch this, you new folk. Watch this, verse 30, verse 30 and 31. Even the youths, 
Even the youths shall faint. And the young men shall utterly fall. So you and all your youthful vigor and all your youthful excitement, all your youthful zeal, and I'm, boy, I'm, I got all this testosterone and all this stuff, and I'm, boy, I'm, I'm cut, I'm fit, I can do this, I can do this forever, yeah, 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 yeah. No, 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 no. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. In other words, you can get in, into a place of warfare, a place of hardship, a place of hard working, a place of competition that will drive even the most fit person. Lay down and take a nap. No matter how fit you are and how young you are and how virile you are and how much valor you have. And, and When the adversary comes against you and oops upside your head, if you're still operating in your own energy, he's going to zap it right out of you like the sun zap life right out of you. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. Yes, Sadiq. And the young men shall utterly fall. That's why I don't, I don't worry about the young whippersnappers. These, you, got, you got young whippersnappers. They, I, I've, heard, I've heard, had young whippersnappers. That, I'm going to start a church. I'm going to show you all how to do it. I've literally had that happen over the last 20 some years. I've young whippersnappers. You know, I'm going to start a church because y'all, I'm going to show you all how to do this thing in St. Pete. I'm going to show you all how to, how to do that. The way you're at now, they ain't, they ain't pastoring nothing now. Because they were youths, and they fainted, and they grew weary, and they utterly fell. Because they were going to do it in their own strength. But they, those who wait on the Lord, cut me out, shall what? Renew... Renewable energy here. Renew their strength. They shall, come on, mount up with wings. Do you know what it means when a, an eagle mounts up with his wings? An eagle, eagles don't waste energy flapping all day long. That's for lower birds. Eagles find and detect that stream, that gulf stream, that wind stream, and they mount up, get in that stream, and just spread their wings, and let God's wind, let the natural wind of God carry them where they want to be. We shall mount up with wings as eagles. They, they, they say wind is renewable energy. That's what eagles get on. Eagles get on the wind. We, no, watch this, watch this. I'm going to show you something here in a minute real, real quick because I'm out of time. They shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. They shall walk. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk. How you, how you run and never get weary? How could you walk and never faint? 
It must be because you're tapping into a renewable energy that's not your energy. It's not your strength. You're hooked up to something that's constantly supplying you and resupplying you and reinforcing you and reinvigorating you and re-energizing you. So you're not in your strength. I'm hooked into God's strength. I've got his super on my natural. I have his divinity on my humanity. And I'm soaring like an eagle. Now, you can run hard and run fast all you want to in your own strength. But when you run out trying to prove how smart you are, trying to prove how much ability you have, trying to prove how strong you are, rather than let doing like me, I'm going to get into God's grace. I'm going to let God give me ability. I'm going to let God give me the wisdom. I'm going to let God give me the energy so I can last. I'm going to outlast you. And when you on the side of the road broke down, I'm going to still be going. I might not have been running real fast, but I'm still running. I, I go walking. I go walking, you know, try to, try to walk on a regular basis. And every once in a while, I get it in me, I'm going to jog. Now, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not a, I'm not a gasparilla marathon runner like Brother James. That was shady. I'm not a sprinter like Usain Bolt. But I know how to pick him up and put him down. I may not be no full gate, but I can... I can pick them up and put them down. I can go. I'm going to go as long as I can. And then I say, Lord, and I see, okay, my goal, I'm trying to get to that stop sign. And, I, and, and I, I'm already tired. <laughs> I say, Lord, I'm already tired. Help me, Lord. Help me get that stop sign, Jesus. <laughs> I say, okay. And I make it to the stop sign. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but I made it. I make it every time. Okay. Let's, let's do this here and then we'll close out. I'll do it the back later. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Everybody say renew. renew. Now this word renew... Is, is important to us. It, it's the Hebrew word kalaf. I want you to see what it means because it probably means more than you thought it means. It means to pass on our way, to pass through, pass by, go through, grow up, change. This is what it means. You look it up in, in the concordance. To go on from. 
to go on from. So, so those who are in the Lord shall go on from their strength. Look at the further definition of it. This is right out of your concordance. To change, substitute, alter, change for better, and renew. So this renew their strength doesn't mean, okay, I just get, I'm going to get strong again. It literally means you exchange your strength for his strength. You exchange your energy for his energy. You change from using your power to his power. You change from your exhaustible resources, your exhaustible energy, to now a renewable energy. Because once you tap into his energy, once you connect it, it's like you're going from battery power to plugging in. You stay on battery power long enough, you're going you're gonna, to expire. But if you plug in, you can run all, you can run that vacuum in all night long. You can. <laughs> I was out there, I was doing some work in the backyard, and I had my drills out, man, the hand of day, and I love these drills, man. And I'm just drilling, zing, zing. I love it. And I feel you feel all manly. Zing. All of a sudden I'm drilling a, a pilot hole for something. on it. Battery went dead while the, while the drill bit is stuck in the, in the wood. I'm like, God, I couldn't even get the drill bit out of the battery. I, I had to go and, okay, good thing I had a backup battery. Put that one in. It had a little bit of juice in that one. I got that one out. I said, okay, I got to charge the batteries. I went and got my drill drill. I got a drill that I plug in. Well, when I got my plug-in power drill, See, what God wants you and me to do is stop running on our own natural battery power and plug into his power because his power will never run out. It is a renewable energy source. Don't run out on God. Don't run out on your assignment. Don't burn out on what God has given you. Give yourself to God. Let him give his grace to you and put his natural on your, his super on your natural, his, his divinity on your humanity, and you'll never burn out again in your life. Why don't you give God a praise as you stand to your feet. Come on and give God a praise for that tonight. tired yet. Why? I'm not trying to serve God in my own strength. 
I've been pastoring since 1998. 25 years this year, and I'm not tired yet. Why? I'm not doing this in my own. Now, there were times I felt like it, and I realized I was in my own strength. I'm trying to do this myself. Now, I can do this myself. Jesus said, upon this rock, I'll build my church. So, Lord, if it's your church, you got to give me your grace. Hallelujah. The Bible says the house of riches are inheritance from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. Well, Lord, if you gave me that wife, you got to give me grace for this wife. The Bible says children are a blessing of the Lord. Lord, if you gave me these children, you got to give me grace for these children. You understand what I'm saying to you? So whatever God has gifted you with, whatever God has, has granted to you, he's also made grace available for you. To walk it out, carry it out, finish the job, you're going to be just fine. Tell your neighbor you can't quit. quit. Tap into grace. Tap into into God's energy. You're going to be just fine. Y'all got it? Thank you, Jesus. Father, thank you tonight for the word. Thank you for your people. I thank you, Father, you've made this divine energy available to us. You've given us surpassing grace, exceeding grace, more than enough for all that we have to do, all the things that we face. Thank you that in the midst of hardships and warfare and competition and hard work, There's enough grace available to us, enough energy to sustain us, get us over every hump, over every hurdle, and God to get us to the finish line. I pray, Father, that, Lord, every one of us will have the finish line in mind, that, God, we see the end. And know that, Father, if you called us to it, you'll get us there. And I pray, Father, tonight for strength and energy for every person, every position that we find ourselves in, husbands, wives, parents, teachers, children, ministers, whatever whatever it is, God, there's enough grace. There's enough grace to do all of it. Yeah, there's enough grace to do all of it. To do all of it. Yeah, somebody hear that. There's enough grace to do all of it. There's enough grace to do all of it. There's enough grace to do all of it. And I pray, Father, tonight that we, as we tap into that grace, we'll finish our race strong, strong and victorious. I thank you for it. Thank you for that grace upon this house, upon these, your people, exceeding grace, which is in us. That God will, as a, we will as a ministry, accomplish all you give us to do. Thank you, Lord. Every resource we need. Thank you, Father, your people. As we put our hands to the plow, you'll strengthen our hands for the work. Because we have a mind to work, you'll strengthen our hands for the work. Thank you for it. And we'll press on. And we will stand in that grace. And we will be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That's our prayer. We call it done now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.
and amen. Come on, give God praise for that tonight.